0: What a great word. Thank you, Philip. This morning, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And it's such an honor to have uh, Shannon with us this morning. His daughter's with us. And uh, I've seen a lot of uh, new faces. We're thankful all of you are here this morning. It's a special day uh, where we want to... uh, Shed a little light, a little attention on a very drastic need in our society, and I think we can find the biblical basis for it this morning. You know, uh, if you claim the name of Jesus Christ and you're serious about your faith, somewhere along the w- way, maybe it was at the inception of your faith in Christ and and God doing the change and the work in your life, maybe. You run with a rough crowd. Maybe, you know, you were off doing certain things. And so when God saved you, and uh, I I don't want to use the word radical because anyone that's saved is pretty radical. You know, I don't care if you were saved at seven years old, going to church every Sunday. If you're saved, it was radical because you are passed from death unto life because of Jesus Christ. In Christ alone. So we don't want to put wrong adjectives, making it sound like someone is more gloriously saved than someone else. If you're saved, you're gloriously saved. But maybe it was kind of evident in the world you were really doing a lot of things that you shouldn't have been doing. uh, But it was very noticeable by the world. And so when the Lord saved you and the Lord changed you and you... Just developed a deep love for the Lord, and you were growing in faith. You wanted to be in church every time the doors opened, and I mean, you you just wanted to be a doorkeeper. You'd sweep, you'd vacuum, you'd do whatever. You'd take out the trash, you'd cook whatever it took. And the world said, "This he got religion." That's what the world. Oh, he just got religion. He'll be back for long. He just got that religion. She got religion. She don't go off on the girls' nights anymore and do the other stuff. Oh, she just got religion. She'll be back. Can I tell you, when God saved me, I was seven years old. But when God changed my life, when, when, when uh, I come to the reality, God had a calling, not just salvation, not just fire insurance, but God uh, uh, was Lord of my life. And I pulled over and surrendered my life to the Lord in front of Six Flags. On that December day in 1983, I want you to know something. God did a great work in my life. He had already saved me, but God was sanctifying me. And all my buddies that I had run through in high school said he got religion. They told me that to my face. Oh, you just got religion. You'll be back. I want you to understand It's 2019. I am 36 years removed from that December. And that religion still has me. Now, it's because of what we're going to talk about today. Religion has taken a bad rap. We've said, I don't follow religion. I just trust Jesus. That sounds good, but it's not theologically correct. It's not biblically correct. We have a, a, a thing. There is a realness about true religion. Yes, there's false religions. I mean, all you have to do is watch Leah Remini on A&E and you'll f- see all kinds of false religions from Scientology to Jehovah's Witnesses to Mormonism to Kabbalah to Santeria to voodoo and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of false, world, bad religion. The world describes or defines religion as belief in and worship of a controlling power. That's true, wouldn't you agree? People worship baseball, football, basketball, vacation, vocation, Worship their children, worship their parents, worship their spouses, worship their politics, worship their talents. People worship at the altar of whatever controls them. Did y'all hear me, church? The Bible's very clear. John warns them and said, little children, stay away from idols. What false religion is built on, Man, I'm finishing the Old Testament right now and uh, when you read through some of this stuff and you read about Molech and Dagon and you read about Baal and you read of all the false gods, you think, what in the world was wrong with these people? I'm going to tell you, we're no different. For the gold and silver of this world have attracted our eyes. It has bound up our heart to where We feel like the more we have, the more we will be successful, the more we will be respected, the more power and authority and blessing we receive. When the apostle Paul wrote about God's blessing, his life and contentment, he was not writing it from a penthouse in a five-star hotel. He was writing it from a Roman dungeon. When he wrote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It was not that he was limping out in the fourth quarter to win the national championship. He was standing in the midst of a great thorn in the flesh that had buffeted him for years and years. Many believe it was malaria and loss of sight. But God was working in his life and he was able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with his friends and the Romans like God had said. And he said, I can do this. I can do all this. What the world says I couldn't do. As Saul, the Pharisee, I can do as Paul, the Christian because of Christ who strengthens me. We limit God in so many ways. That's a false religion. That's a bad religion. But you see, real religion is defined in James 1, 27. James 1, 27. Pure religion, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. And to keep himself unspotted from the world. You see, world religion professes. We say we worship God. Oh, I'm a, I'm a God follower. But you see, religion practiced is worshiping God. In our actions, in our attitudes, in our character, in our lifestyle, in our schedules, in everything we do, we worship God. You know, I believe you, you must biblically come to church. I believe God is very clear. And the thing is, it's not about you got to, you get to. And I'm here to tell you as pastor, I need you probably much more than you need me. We all need one another. We need Sunday school teachers. We need nursery workers. We need those who sing and play because we lift each other up. We're a body that when operating according to God's will, fully functions together in worship. But we can worship God in the Children's Basketball Rec League. We can worship God through the night to shine, and and we do. We worship God at at a deacon's meeting. Amen? We worship God in a business meeting. When Christ is honored, He will be honored above all other things. This is religion practice versus r- religion professed. You can throw your Bible on the corner of your desk. At school or at work, you can put it in the, you can put a Christian bumper sticker on the back of your car or your truck, and you can wear Christian T-shirts every day. But a life that does not worship God in the way we live is an empty, false religion. I want you to notice a couple things with me this morning in preparation for Shannon to come share a little bit with us. First of all, he said, religion must be pure. A pure religion, one that is undefiled before God and the Father is this. He, He then defines it. He said to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So what is this pure that James speaks to us about? If you've studied the book of James, you'll know that James does not mince words. James is very clear. He teaches us all about that nasty little tongue inside of our mouth that drives So much fire in this world. James speaks to us about how uh, uh, faith, uh, faith saves us, but our faith will be evident by our works. That a faith void of works is probably not faith at all. He tells us that. Matter of fact, he says it's dead. But now he teaches us even before that about pure religion. Notice, first of all, what pure religion really is. All boils down to this. We, we overcomplicate things, but as you, as you look up on that screen below the name of our church, we see the summation of the commandments. God gave the world Ten commandments, right? That's in the Old Testament. It's in a book called Exodus. Read it. They're there. You may have read them in a restaurant or in somebody's house where they're printed out and put them up somewhere, but they're real. God gave them to Moses. And then we see it again in the second law giving in Deuteronomy. But all through that, we see God in the first tablet, God telling man how he's to respond to him. It is our vertical ethic, how we are to live before a holy God, not to take his name in vain, to keep his day holy, to always put him first because he's a jealous God. We see all those, the first four, but in the latter six, the second tablet is our horizontal ethic, how we deal with one another, not to cheat each other, not to want what others have, not to take what others have, not to uh, uh, kill and steal and destroy—is how we treat one another. But the first tablet starts where it all starts: loving God. Loving—that's pure. It literally means untarnished or unstained. Un—as you look it up in the Greek context, it means unsoiled. May I say? It is not a stretch to say it is exactly the antithesis. It is the opposite of the filthy rags that Isaiah describes our righteousness. It's totally the opposite. It goes from the worst nasty broken sores of the flesh to the most pristine pure healed body. You see, with loving God, it starts with a right heart. I have a right heart. A right heart says, I do not deserve it. It's not, hey, God, I love you, and I'm glad you love me because, you know, I'm kind of a big deal. A pastor friend of mine wrote this morning. He said, you know, it's time we get past the arrogance and get back to humility he said, it's time we kill the strutting peacocks. I think he was talking about pastors. Shannon and I was at the Georgia Baptist Convention this week. And it's always, you can always see a few, you know, there's, there's always a few. They can strut sitting down, you know, and there's times where all of us in our life, all of us, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Where you know, there's parts where I stand back and be amazed that I did something. You know, I build a rickety gun rack that my mother's never owned a gun in her life, and I make it in middle school shop class and bring it home, and I'm like, I built that. And Mama's, like, Oh, that's wonderful, honey, that's great. She don't have a clue what it is, you know. She's like, Aubrey, what is it, you know? But she's gonna brag and us boy you know, us men, we want you know, we, we can sweep a driveway off and we want some kind of golden award. You know, we like to be, feel appreciated. Say, yard, cut the grass. Well, don't it look good? Put streaks in it and everything. The truth is, in our own life, when we look at ourselves, it's all about him. It's in Christ alone. I mean, it's as we sang in every song this morning, it's all from Him. Everything Eastside is, everything we are as the body of Christ, it's all from Him. It's not from me. It's not from the predecessors. It's not from the deacons. It's not from the children. It's not from any of us. We come and we relish and bask in the goodness that is Jesus Christ and Him alone. It is not Jesus plus. It's not Jesus and. It's not Jesus multiplied. It's just Jesus. But when we walk into that, when we are drawn, we realize that undeserving, when we are that publican smoting our breasts, when we are that honest thief that says, oh Lord, forgive me, remember me today. Then our heart Becomes right. That's a pure religion. That's a pure religion. That's not a religion that says we can shake our hand at God. And based on God's word, we can demand that God gives us stuff. It's a right motive. Pure. Pure heart. Pure motives. It means we're unwavering. It's it's not only all from him. It's all for him. Have you gotten up lately and literally stopped during, during your morning routine and says today, whatever happens, it's for you. We heard, we heard Philip talk about just a moment ago, that things that come our way and sometimes the problems messed up and we can't, you know, it's apples to oranges. There, we can't apply logic to an illogical situation. Satan is seeking to have all of us that he may sift us as wheat. And we go into a day, have we stopped and said today, whatever happens, however it happens, it's all for you, Lord. Rain or shine, rich or poor, up or down, healthy or broken, today will be unwavering. It's all for him. You know, we can go into a final and it's getting close to finals time for our college students and we can, we can go into that and we can wait till the night before that final and we can cram and we can slam our book and think, well, there ain't no more time. I'm too tired. I got to get up and take it. And we say, it's all on you, Lord. I'm going to trust you with it. But we didn't prepare. We didn't, you know, it's going to be a comprehensive test. Have you not taken notes? Did you skip the class? Did you prepare? That's the unwavering part. You can't wait to the end and think God's always going to run to the rescue when you just act stupid. You knew it was coming, right? It's like knowing there is a road out and you wait to ask God to help you after you went through the barrier halfway down the thousand foot cliff. Listen, we must be unwavering in everything for him. Whether it is a men's wild game or if it's a women's arts class, whether it is a children's musical or a youth retreat, whether it is Sunday school or Sunday night small groups, whether it's Wednesday night prayer meeting Or Sunday morning choir. If we're going to do it. It ought to be done. Knowing we're undeserving. That it's all from him. And unwavering. That I will not stop. To consider whether I'm going to do it or not. If I'm called to it. Then I'm called through it. And it's all for him. You ever had your feelings hurt? Don't raise your hand. I have too. And I've wanted to throw up my hand and quit so many times. Throw the hat in. Say, you know what? They want to be morons. They can be morons by themselves. I shared this not too long ago. Matter of fact, the last few weeks. Don't you hate it when you want to have a pity party and somebody gets all spiritual on you? So we're having vacation Bible school in my first church. And when I say my first church, this first church that I pastored. And it's great. We're having visitors. Things are pouring out. Things are great. These two boys walk in. We Walk into church. Now, you got to understand, I was raised in the old days and raised in the old way. And these two boys walk in and I literally said it this way. I said, hey, boys, glad y'all here. I said, if y'all would, would you take your hat off inside the building? That's the way I said it. One of them's aunt, You would have thought I cussed both them kids out, stole all their toys, and told them they couldn't eat for a month. It got sideways. That thing was so bad, it was unbelievable. Matter of fact, by the way, both of them got saved and baptized, one of them, later on. That didn't want to bother the aunt's agenda. And so I just left about halfway through that night. I couldn't take it. And so Becky and I left with four kids, and we went in to a little restaurant there, and we sat down just, she and I, and we're sitting there eating, I said, I'm fed up with well, these bunch of knuckleheads. I said, that's the dumbest. I said, I wasn't ugly. She said, I know you wasn't, you know, and she's trying to be sweet and be a supportive wife, and she's trying to appease me, you know, and pet my ego, and she said, ah, she's just crazy. Just don't. Just ignore it. You know, I said, I know, because I mean, it's just everywhere. No matter what happens, no matter what we do, somebody's going to do something like that. I said, I'm just going to quit. I am sick of this. I'll go back to working, building full time. Pay the bills. I, I, you know, we'll go to church. I can serve somewhere, but I'm not going to be in this. And being such a wonderful support, she looked over the table and she said, well, if that's what God wants. What are you going to say to that? She knew it wasn't what God wanted. And she knew I knew it wasn't what God wanted. She let me rant and rave and all that. And then she smacked me right in the face with Jesus. Well, if that's what God wants. And then she tells me today, you're the pastor to everybody. Don't preach to me all the time. Well, she does it worse than I do. Listen, right motives means we're unwavering, even when we want to quit. I want to say something to you, and only a few in here may even know. Some, may nobody know. But I'm going to tell you, if you have to resort to anonymous text to get something done, I'm coming for you. Just be warned, I'm coming for you. I have your number, and I'm coming for you. The deacons and I are coming for you. We will. This is not your church. This is not my church. This is our church. Are y'all hearing me? I'm not being ugly, but I'm not going to have anyone else that thinks they have a right to decry who does and who does not come to church at Eastside Baptist Church. I believe I've got eleven deacons that will support me to the nth degree on that. We're not going to play them games, folks. That you won't play them games. Go join a false religion. But we're going to stay in one who is undefiled, loving others. See that other part? People. Love people. We're going to love people. You know what? People are jacked up. See, Becky knew that night. I was right. They are knuckleheads. But she was sitting across from the pastor knucklehead. Because she lives with him. We're all knuckleheads. We all mess up. We all sin and come short of the glory. So how do we find the glory? We stay in pure religion, that which is undefiled, and we do it by loving one another. Do you know there's three ways into a family? Three ways into the family of God. Number one, we're born into it. Jesus told Nicodemus, ye must be Is that biblical? That's being saved. You need to get saved. Well, that means being born again because we're dead in trespasses and sin. That's why we believe in believer's baptism. Dead, symbolically, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the newness of life. We're born into the family of God. Second way, we're married in. The Bible talks about us being the bride of Christ. One day the bridegroom is coming and there's going to be an unbelievable marriage supper of the Lamb. There's a third way. Romans 8 tells us that we have the adoption of sons. We have been adopted, grafted in to the family of God. That is so beautiful. Listen, that's such a beautiful picture of God loving us so much. In our unloving, undeserving position, God, for Christ's sake, loves And so you know what undefiled religion is? It means loving others. It's having a right spirit, walking in his grace and love that he has for us. I want to tell you the other side of that. Not just the arrogant side that looks arrogant as I'm great and I'm wonderful, but the arrogant side of saying you don't know what I've done. I've done bad things and you just don't understand. God couldn't forgive me. I'm too far gone. That is more arrogant than anything else. If God, for Christ's sake, can forgive you, then you ought to forgive yourself. Because we have all failed the grace of God. Now, I'm going to tell you, if I was reliant on myself to keep myself saved, I'd went to hell a long time ago. Not only did Jesus completely and utterly save me without my help, he utterly and completely keeps me without my help. Now, the fellowship depends on me, how close we walk and talk. But he's right there, waiting. It's a right spirit walking, but a right focus. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. When we are focused on the right thing, we're witnessing of his grace and love for all. Notice, he didn't say to visit the wealthy and the impressive. He said visit the fatherless and widows in affliction. We have deacon family ministry. Each deacon has uh, family members of this church. If you've not talked to one of your deacons, you don't know, call the church office, find out if you do know and you had not heard from him, you call him. Say, hey, you're my deacon. We all need a reminder. I'm not being ugly. We all need reminders from time to time. We are to love one another. But it's not just the deacon's job to take care of the widows. He said pure religion and undefiled means the body of Christ cares for the fatherless and the widows. True widows in their affliction. He said to visit to minister. I want to ask at this time, I think he can express it a lot better than me. You see, I can think back to times I've been on the mission field, but it's been at seven, eight, ten days at a time, not for years at a time. I've walked into gypsy villages that kids were just wandering around. I said, where do they? They don't belong to anybody. They just eat wherever, and somebody will take them in and let them sleep here, let them sleep there, and they just kind of. In, in the gypsy villages, they kind of take care of their own. They stay inside, but when I say take care of their own, just kind of. I've been in Haiti, where the foster and the orphan population outweighs the adult population because of AIDS, because of earthquakes, because of hurricanes. I've seen some of the most drastic, heart-wrenching things in some of these third world countries. But I want to express to you, it's right here. It's right here. As Christy Mock shared with me before worship, that a lot of our county is being under through the census and there'll be a lot of things because a lot of them are just blended into the woodwork they don't have social security numbers many are illegals does that mean God doesn't love them? God doesn't care? And I, I'm all do it right do it legally I, you know me but it doesn't mean God doesn't love them. we've got to care for those who are in need Well, one way is through foster care and so Shannon, uh, now kind of heading up the Statesboro area and the south area for Families for Families. Shannon, you come and share a few things and I'll close this in just a a moment. Brother, let me get you a mic.
1: Well, I'd love to start and just unpack how just a few months ago I was standing here talking about overseas work. Um, but I don't have time for that this morning. Uh, but I would just like to say, as we evaluated where our family was, we began to see um, a transition that is bringing us back to the states. And so, in in that process, um, we were trying to figure out, God, what do you want us to do? You know, got to eat. You know, we all got to eat and got to take care of the family and whatnot. And this opportunity came up for us to come back to this part of the state um, and to work with this ministry and with this agency and you know it it began to i began to to look at and see the the founder of families for families is a dear friend of mine and he and i have have talked over the years about various things that go on with this um in your in the seats this morning uh, there's a brochure please take one of those his stories there more about families for families is in there i'm going to talk more about that in a minute but um you know as, as Brother Matt said in this passage in James, he talks about this pure religion and it is, has that idea of how we act before God, how we worship Him, how, how, how we uh, give tribute to Him. And this, this need of, of orphans, this need of uh, the fatherless is not a new uh, concept in the Scriptures. You see, you go all the way back to Exodus Chapter 22, as the people of Israel are coming out of uh, Egypt, there are fatherless and there are widows amongst that multitude that's traveling. And so God places it out right here as he's talking to Moses. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. I'll let you read the rest of that verse. It's... Quite intense, actually. But this concept of the fatherless are among us, the widow are among us, and they need help. God created a plan A for uh, orphan care, for the fatherless. And God's plan A for orphans and the fatherless is his people. He set it up. He set it up in Exodus that way. And what, we read, we, what, what Brother Matt has been teaching on from James this morning is just simply an extension of that. Right. It's just carrying on the concept. Carry, and Jesus talks about taking care of the children and, 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 and meeting their needs. And this idea of orphan has to do with being fatherless. It's one who is without a guide. You know, the fatherless home is an epidemic in our American society. The fatherless home is a tragedy in our societies. And I'll be honest, I'm not just talking about the ones where the father is completely absent. Some of us are not. We, We need to be fathers to our children. We need to realize that they are the first stewardship that God has given us. As men, But here are some just intense statistics. You know, 63, 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists who have been motivated with displaced anger, they come from fatherless homes. Homes. Seventy-one percent of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. Eighty-five percent of youth in prisons grew up, yes, in fatherless homes. Seventy-five percent of all adolescent patients in drug treatment centers come from fatherless homes. You know how to change that? Fathers being—if a father is in the home, those statistics flip. And you know what? It doesn't matter if it's a foster father, a stepfather, a surrogate father, or a biological father. If a father's in the home, those statistics flip. And God has called us to be a part of this work. The state of Georgia currently, and these numbers fluctuate, but over 13,700 children are in foster care currently in the state of Georgia. 42% of those are under five, or five and under. 53% of those come from Caucasian homes. Child placement has more than doubled from 2000 to 2017 just because of the drug abuse epidemic in our culture and our society. And this is really sad, but 88% of those who are involved in sex trafficking have come from foster care. And this is a tragedy to our wonderful state of Georgia, but do you realize that Atlanta is the sex trafficking capital of the South? As wonderful as having all those sports teams and all that wonderful stuff that Atlanta has that we get to enjoy, with it comes a cost and its children. Now these are very sobering Very sobering statistics. But also from 2014, there were 8,000 children in foster care, and the round number right now is 13,700. Actually, I heard a report that in the last week or so, it it may have dipped under 13,000 just a little bit, but it, it, it continually moves. Now, that's the state level, okay? That's the state level. But let, let's, bring it, let's bring it home just a little bit to Claxton and Evans County in this part of the state. Do you realize within a one-hour radius of where we're sitting this morning, there's over 600 kids in foster care? It's a one-hour drive in any direction from where we're sitting. And they need homes. They need Christian homes. And here's a a cool thing that I love about Families for Families. We've come alongside to partner with you, the church, with God's people, to help find godly homes for these children to be in. Because they are coming from tragic situations. They are coming from brokenness. And you know what they need? They need the love of the gospel The love from God's people to help take care of them in the midst of their tragedy. And you know, we talk about sharing the gospel, but many people in our society, they need to experience the gospel. That's the love and care of God's people so that they can then hear the gospel. And that goes for the child that comes into the home, whether it's an infant or a teenager. And you know who else needs to hear and experience that gospel? Is that family who's broken because, for whatever reason, for whatever reasons and the decisions in their lives, the situations in their life that got them to a point where that child had to come out of that home, they're in just as much of need as that child is to experience the gospel and to hear the gospel. What better way to engage a community? What better way to worship the Father? through pure and undefiled religion than to engage in something like this. Well, this morning, I'm talking about the problem, but I don't want to just talk about the problem. I want to talk about the solution. Who is Families for Families? Families for Families, we work to recruit, train, and support godly homes that will love and nurture children in foster care while partnering with the local church. You see, we partner alongside DFACS to recruit homes. Just like you would call up your local DFACS office, which does a, they do a good job. And you may say, oh my goodness. Well, you you want know me, you know me to tell you something? You know why DFACS struggles with what they do? Because that wasn't God's plan A, was it? They are doing the best they can with what they have in the situation that they are presented to care for these children in the best way possible and they need support. So agencies like ours come alongside to recruit, to do all the state-mandated trainings, to provide caseworkers alongside the DFAX caseworkers so that families can know what to do to be successful in foster care. Our vision is that every child in foster care will be in a loving family connected to a local church. Why? Why is that so important? Because those kids need to hear the gospel. They need to experience the gospel. Those, other, those biological parents need to have that same experience as well. You know, it, it's kind of cool in, in some of the stories that we've had in some of our churches that we've partnered with in the Atlanta area as we've launched this out over the last several years. Um, it, you, you say, well, what, what about being faith-based and whatnot? Listen, they love it. The, the DFACS offices that we we work with, they love it. You know why? Because they've seen quality families. They've seen quality families trained and taken care of. And and so much so, people say, "Well, well, Shannon, that's that's we're just Eastside, just a little church in a little small town, Klaxon, Georgia. What kind of? How can we help? How can listen?" Let me, let me, I, I had to have this put into perspective for me. So one, one of the larger churches in our state is, is First Baptist Church of Woodstock, if not the largest. Currently, First Baptist Woodstock has approximately 30 foster children in their foster care ministry, and, and we partner with them in some way, shape, or form uh, along the way. Roughly 30 kids in massive First Baptist Woodstock. I know that's kind of like, that's that big place up there in Woodstock. That's incredible. Praise the Lord. Okay. There's a little Baptist church right down the road from our office in Loganville called Sanctuary Baptist. And roughly 200 to 250 folks attend every Sunday morning. This church, these families in this church have gotten behind this concept. And you know how many children are in care? 17 children are in care in families in that church. You say, wow. There's a church up the road in Dublin from, one of our, off, uh, from our Dublin office. A little church of 30, 30 folks meet every Sunday morning. One family decided to engage in foster care. So there's, one, there's currently one child in, uh, in care and that church has come around that that family and they've supported them and encouraged them along the way and they've just embraced the concept of helping this family take care of the fatherless so what does this look like in families for families well it, it takes many many shapes and forms and first and foremost we need families who will engage and be foster families who will Take a child, or and, and you know what the brass tacks of it is? You know what the need is all across the state of Georgia? I've talked to multiple DFACS offices. I sat in, I sat in the Bullock County office the other day. Sibling sets, that means two or three children or more, or teenagers. You say, "Oh, well, I don't know if I can do that. Okay, but what can you do? Let's not talk about what we can't do. Let's talk about what we can do. Maybe you can do that. We'd love to train you how to do it. We'd love to equip you to know how to do it. That's the, that's the bread and butter family. The support family is the respite family. That's, some, that's a family that goes through the same training as a, as a standard foster family, but they're approved overnight stays. So that if that family needs to, to that, that main family needs to go out and do something and, and, and go away for the weekend, you can be an approved home where that child can stay Overnight. Volunteers for babysitters. Babysitters have to be uh, 18 years old, CPR first aid certified. We, we work to train those babysitters to help come alongside those families to give them the breaks that they need. We need praying families. We need families to come around those, those families and, and pray for them and encourage them. We need meals. You know, with the, the stresses that come along with that. Uh, man, some of, you, some of you folks go, I'm too old to do that. But you know what? Some some you ladies can cook really good, and I know it, because I've eaten it. I've eaten it from you, from you ladies. You can prepare a meal and have it ready for one of these families uh, uh, so that one night, two nights a week, they don't have to worry about meals. They've got food ready ready to go. One of the things that we do as an agency is we come alongside and, and, and provide date nights so that the families can drop off their foster children along with their biological children. You can come and partner with us in those mom's nights out, dad's nights out, providing diapers and other needs that these kids may have. We can all come around and do, do something. Some of y'all may know who this next person is. Some of you may not. There's unfortunately been a couple of guys who've been infamous named Scott Peterson. This, this is one of them. Scott Peterson, this guy, you know, he was charged with 17 counts of child felony, of felony child neglect. 17 counts. He was charged with three counts of culpable negligence related to, to those 17 counts of felony child neglect. You know what Scott Peterson did? Nothing. Scott Peterson was a resource officer at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, 2018 uh, Valentine's Day Massacre. He stood outside with a gun on his hip with all the training for active shooter situations while a shooter went through the high school. Now, listen, it's much more complicated than that, and I realize it. However, he had all the training, he had all the tools. He had all the know-how and did nothing with it. We are the church. We, have the know, we, we, we know the need is there and it needs to be met. We are the church. Families for families will come alongside you and help equip you so you know what to do. The church can come along and help with respite and date nights. Meals. The question is: Are we going to do it? Or are we not going to do it? I mean, that's just the brass tax. So, how can you help? Well, inside of this little brochure you've got, there's a little card. It says, "Information session: Your next steps." So, in two weeks on December the second, here at the church, we're going to host a information session. On this card, it gives you a registration if you can go and register for that. What can you do? Well, that's what you can do. You can come to that information session. My wife and I will be here and we'll help encourage you, train you, and equip you and help you know what you can do next to help engage this need because it is a real need. You know it's interesting, Brother Matt? Being overseas for years, people say, well, I don't know about going on a mission trip. I don't know if I could do that Oh, I I, 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 or 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 they come alongside and say, you know, I don't know, I don't know if I'm prepared to do that, or or when is that trip coming up? How, what what do I need to do? You know, what my first question I've always had asked people: Do you have a passport? And they say, well, no. You're not going anywhere without that. That's the first step before you can take any other steps. Had a, had a young lady come up at our last uh, awareness session a couple of weeks ago. She goes, well, Shannon, we, we think God might be calling us to do this, but we just don't, we're trying to figure out. I said, do you have a passport to go on a mission trip? Well, yeah. Well, then you're ready to make the first step to go on a mission trip. If you're not trained through the state-mandated trainings that we can help walk alongside you and, and provide, if you don't have a home study, if you've not done any of those things, It doesn't matter how much you may feel called to it or whatever. You can't do it. So let us help you do that. Listen, I am thankful and honored to be here. It is a privilege, and I recognize it, and I realize it. And Eastside Baptist Church has been a a second home to my family over the years. Ten years ago when we came here, as we were preparing, lived in a little house down down in Belleville, and just trying to get ready to go overseas for that stage of our life. Eastside Baptist Church came around my family and and loved on us and took care of us before we launched out. And you've prayed for us and took care of us all through the years. And I just want to say thank you for that. Here we are, next step, next stage. And I want to give back. And I want to help you engage in true religion. I want to help you engage in something not across the world, but something that's right across the street and that you can do. Thank you, Brother Matt.
0: Thank you, Shane. This is. they come to the instruments this morning as a prayer of dedication, a prayer of contemplation, God, what would you have me to do? You see, He said that we are to visit the fatherless, visit those that are widows. What does that mean? Well, I think biblically it means that we're to go to the lost. We're to tell the lost, as the body of Christ, we're to go to our Jerusalem, starting here, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. You know, we always come back from mission trips, and we have our little de facto uh, debrief where we put up all the pictures, and it's always the pictures with the little kids hugging us and smiling. I can promise you the children that are in foster care in our area will smile and love you too. and They need Jesus just as much as they do in any other country. Our community needs Christ. We're to visit the lost. We're to visit the least. He said, to the least of these. To the least. You know, we get so busy in our life, we just focus on our deal. Focused on our four and no more. It's real easy to get tunnel vision. What he meant by this visit, it literally means in the original language to bring relief or to help them. You know, we stack up meals and give them out to, well, we're going to take these to the widow women at Thanksgiving. That's great. But what about those fatherless? How will we love them? And then to the last. I'm not talking about until the last one because we're, they're just, the world's going to keep having those like that, but until we can't do anymore. Until we draw our last breath and with Paul we say, I have finished. I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. Maybe you are lost and you need to trust Christ as your Savior. Maybe, just maybe. You have looked down at the least and said, Oh God, I'm like the Pharisee. I'm so thankful I'm not like that. But maybe God is calling you to minister to them. Maybe you just need to pray and say, God, I don't know. I, I just, my, my spirit stirred. My emotions stirred. But God, what, what would you have me to do? You just need to come a prayer, a prayer of dedication. God, whatever you want from me, use me in the future. Stand and come. Come to Jesus today. Pure. Is True. Desire.